Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast pottering around the feral magic car of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who are at least smart enough to leave the spiders be. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, BJ and Spencer. How are y'all doing? I think that's probably the nicest thing you said about me, that I won't actively walk into spider webs. <laughs> I mean... I, you know, low bars. I was going to say, like, I, I do kind of keep spiders as pets because they do really minimize the amount of other things that are wandering around in my house without me having to... Oh, God, you're Hagrid. You're Hagrid. Now I finally understand. Well, now we know what the problem with the Forbidden Forest is, is there's no apex predator above the spiders. Ah. Pretty much. And this is a real if you give a mouse a cookie situation. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's an impressive statement when we've previously seen something that feeds on unicorns. Just... We, we we have seen a variety of impressive creatures in the Forbidden Forest already, but spiders take the cake. Uh, do you remember what fed on unicorns? Because Voldemort-possessed kind of professor thing. Yeah, I mean, humans Not are... native to the Forbidden Forest. It was hanging out. Do we ever confirm that Voldemort is not native to the Forbidden Forest? Uh, yeah, he comes from an orphanage in London. Okay. Now, where he was before then, meh. Something dropped him off. Maybe Actually, it was a giant spider. Actually, we do know spider. where that was. Wait, 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 wait. No, don't, don't I... just forget that. Wait, 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 wait. I just heard about a character that just came from an orphanage in London. Yeah, we'll get there. Was it Little Actually... Timmy? <laughs> no, it's in this damn book. Oh, actually, his name is Tom. Tom or Tim Riddle? Tom. Tom. Okay, and his middle name totally has a V in it. So. Yep. All right. We'll see. Okay. Let's get to the actual text now, because before my mind gets more blown. All right, so we are in chapter 15, called Aragog. Which is unfortunately not an anagram of any sort. <laughs> As you have researched extensively, I'm sure, BJ. I did my best. Are we? So we have a couple of segments that we do. We have a rapid-fire recap. Um, we have BJ's Wizard Wheezes, which does not include anagrams. Um <laughs> In this segment, uh, we have newbies notes from Spencer, who is actively recovering as we speak now. And then we have house points, and then we have quest questions. I'm, I think I'm mostly recovering from it. It was finally you that spoiled something. Previously, you've been so good. It's been BJ that's been constantly flirting with those things. Well, just wait until the end of the book, Spencer. <sighs> we'll find out. <laughs> we have like two or three chapters, so it's yeah. not that long. <laughs> it's not a not a long forecast. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at this and seeing we got 74% left. I was reassured. So I'm like, oh, we got like five or six chapters. But I remembered the prior book and like, no, that might just be one. No, I think it's I think it's two chapters, maybe three. Uh, but we are we are very <laughs> very close. To, she loves to pile it into the end. Mm-hmm. Um, are we ready for the recap? Let's do it. I have I have found my giant novelty stopwatch, Excellent. and I think. Uh, do you have a bet for what this one's going to take? I, I am 99% positive. Um, that I can do this under two minutes. Okay. All right. Well, house points are on the line. Let's see what you can do. All right. So Dumbledore is gone. No one's allowed to see the petrified people. It's all feeling a little off the rails. And to top it all off, Harry and Ron can't find any spiders to follow. Uh, Sidebar, Malfoy is still being an ass. 
the only sort of bright side is that Hermione was, the fact that Hermione was attacked seems to have sort of let Harry off the hook for being the heir of Slytherin. And then finally, Harry and Ron catch sight of some spiders in Herbology going nowhere other than the Forbidden Forest. Infuriatingly, Lockhart seems to think everything is going to be okay, what with Hagrid being caught and sent to Azkaban. Uh, so Harry and Ron are following the spiders to night. They take off with the invisibility cloak and head to Hagrid's hut to pick up Fang, and they just catch a trickle of spiders heading into the forest that they take off after. They go deeper and deeper into the forest, into a hollow, where they ho- start to hear something big moving around. Lo and behold, it's the flying Ford Anglia gone feral in the wilderness. But then they're picked up by giant spiders. In fact, they're surrounded by giant spiders who call to Aragog. And it turns out that this was Hagrid's uh, spider who has been living in the forest and is super happy to kill any human not Hagrid. Harry desperately tells him about Hagrid being taken and accused of having a monster. Aragog tells them that uh, the, the powers that be thought he was the monster who killed the girl in the bathroom, Hagrid protected him, and that the monster currently lives in the castles and is something that spiders are terrified of. Having got the story, Harry and Ron try to go. Aragog is unwilling to let them not be food, and Mr's, Mr. Weasley's car comes to the rescue. It trundles in, knocking spiders out of the way. Harry, Ron, and Fang dive in, and all the spiders scatter as they hightail it out of there. Back at Hagrid's hut, both Fang and the car have had enough. Harry and Ron make it back to Gryffindor Common Room pretty disheartened, until Harry realizes the one piece of useful information they did get. The girl who died was in a bathroom, and maybe she never left. Impressive. Where'd I end up, Spencer? Sorry, totally on mute. You were you saved 10 seconds at the end. We'll credit those to, to Ravenclaw. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so it's a good thing that uh, his dad's car wasn't a uh, convertible. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Good call. Because then it would have been a spider, too. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Um, Outside of of that piece of information, BJ, what do you have? So so I actually did have a complaint, um, because every so often I do read for more than just content, which is the first paragraph of this chapter is two sentences. And I didn't count the clauses, but Sarah, I feel like you should and be amused. I am turning to it now. Um, The other thing that I wanted to comment on is it's not often in books that I come across words that I am very unfamiliar with. Um, Okay. And uh, there was one in this chapter, and I really like when there are very specific words in English that describe something very specific and very well, which is mullioned windows. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I breezed over that. I really should have looked. I have no idea what that means. Um, It's basically the uh, vertical element that forms a separation between units of a window. Okay. So like the little piece of wood, maybe? Yeah, like usually pieces of wood or sometimes a column or something like that. It it varies, but basically all windows that that have vertical patterns that are separating the panes, as far as I can tell, would be Mm -hmm. a mullioned window. Interesting. Okay. Um, and apparently it comes from basically back in the day when you couldn't make very, very large panes and you needed to do a good job of holding them up or they would not hold up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was more structural support, whereas now it's probably much more of a, an aesthetic thing. Sure. Makes sense. Um, that is super interesting. I would like to go back to your first point, BJ, because you have pointed something out to me that I will now never be able to unsee. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so I would like to, for, we are, we are in a sort of auditory medium. Um, so I will read these. This is a two sentence chapter, as you said, 
Um, I would first like to point out that any two sentences, consecutive two sentences that have semicolons in them, that's unnecessary. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I am going to read this brief paragraph with the punctuation intact in it. Um, so summer was creeping over the grounds around the castle. Semicolon. Sky and lake alike turned periwinkle blue and flowers large as cabbages burst into bloom in the greenhouses, period. But with no haggard visible from the castle windows, comma, striding the grounds with fang at his heels, comma, the scene didn't look right to Harry, semicolon, no better, comma, in fact, comma, than the inside of the castle, comma, where things were so horribly wrong, <laughs> period. <laughs> this is a disaster. <laughs> so it's just really funny to me because... One of the difficulties that that I have, given the amount of writing that I have to do, is either my sentences are as short as they can possibly be mm-hmm. and conveying as much information as possible, which means that I'm using very interesting words often juxtaposed with each other in interesting ways, or I have a number of clauses that are entirely too interdependent on each other to essentially try and convey a paragraph's worth of information in a given sentence. Mm -hmm. And so after years of training and having this pointed out to me, I notice at any time it seems to come up when I'm reading something else and I go, huh, well, it's not just me. That's, I don't know if it's reassuring or not, but it's comforting. (laughs) I, I am a big fan of the judicious use of the semicolon, um, but this is extreme. One of my favorite examples. Uh, you guys ever actually read the? Uh, I, we were to phrase this: the book version of Les Misérables. Uh, no. Uh, it, you know, classic work of literature. Mm-hmm. At one point in there, there is an 800 plus word sentence that just makes liberal use of semicolons to just find a way to keep going. Respect. <laughs> it, 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 I, I suppose I suppose he pulls it off well enough, but there's a certain point of where are you just? Is this the writing equivalent of doing tricks? Are you just, are you trying to show off your ability to stretch this? I mean, like, I, th- I think recently writers are actually competing with each other because I think there was a book that came out not long ago that had like a 13,000 word sentence. Mm, mm-hmm. It's like, you've made your book around this purpose. <laughs> I mean, but is it a reasonable sentence or is it... I have not read it. Because, <laughs> I mean, you can, I think there are books that just don't have punctuation and that's like a style. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could technically view the Bible that way. But I still don't think it's a particularly valid comment to make. Uh, I like to take breaths. I need periods. It serves serves a useful purpose. Well, the semicolon should keep you going with a few half breaths here and there. (laughs) I don't don't know how to breathe during it. I'm not well trained. (laughs) Um, Have either of you read, do you know about, have you heard about the uh, 50,000-word novel called Gatsby that is the uh, novel without the letter E? Uh, oh, I have heard about no. it. Um, it seems like, well, maybe the lesser of two evils compared to its greater version. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Hot take. Yeah. Uh, I'll, so, so let's get this back on the rails. So, so BJ, before it comes completely back on the rails, I do want to ask you guys, are you familiar with the comedian Victor Borga? No, I'm not. Um, no. Highly recommend. You can find his stuff on YouTube and stuff like that. He's a pianist that is also a humorist. Um, not quite the comedy that we have in Mangum Laughs, but but still, I would say very funny. Um, he does have a bit where he puts noises to punctuation. 
Okay. And reads things. Um, and I can't remember. I think this is also coupled with what he calls um, inflationary reading, where he basically adds one to any uh, piece of a word that is a number. Like forethought would be five thought. Okay. Um, it it. <laughs> It is. It's quite humorous and 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 a lot of fun. Um, but but this is sort of what what your recitation of these two sentences that had <laughs> as much punctuation as maybe they needed, but probably different punctuation if one were to edit them. Sure. <laughs> well, you know, it felt. I believe. I suppose the most generous reading of it is it had the sort of floaty, airy quality of a a late spring evening. With a reasonable amount of gin. In yes, yeah. So I don't know. It seemed fine. Uh, I'm coming around on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's it for my wheezing. Um, are, are there any notes from the newbie? Uh yeah, got a few. Uh, chapter with giant spiders. Yes, I have comments. Uh, point number one. Again, Malfoy is just evil. Like there's bad people in this book, and they're almost like comically bad. The Dursleys, of course. Malfoy once fellow people around him dead. Still not as bad just... as Percy. <laughs> Full of the hot takes tonight. Again, he just very casually says how disappointed he is that Hermione's not dead. What did she actually do to him? Remind me. Other than just point out that he's a moron. I mean... Is that enough to earn a death sentence in Malfoy's mind? I believe it's the fact of her existence that annoys him more than anything. Mostly, but, but honestly, like... Can you imagine if Hermione asked Ron to turn in a homework assignment while she was laid up in the hospital and he didn't? What t- sorts of evils she would wish on him? <laughs> Probably not yeah. death. Maybe expulsion, which evil. is clearly worse. It's worse. <laughs> uh, in her mind, yes. Um, but it just continues to impress me how much Malfoy just casually talks to other people about the death and murder of those around him. I would it's say just against... that his upbringing is probably one of the more interesting ones. I've not seen much good from what Lucius, Ma- Lucius Malfoy's qualities as a parent, but this again seems to be an extreme example of where that might go. I mean, he probably inherited uh, the hood, so it's not like it was an interesting or well-rounded upbringing that he had. Uh, it is nice to have the redemption of Ernie Macmillan, who, you know, has the good grace to come up to Harry and apologize, and then immediately start theorizing about another student. This one, you know... <laughs> Being Draco Malfoy having a little bit more credence, even if he's still wrong. But, you know, credit to Hufflepuff. Glad to see that our only soul-identified <laughs> Hufflepuff character is somewhat less of a dick. Uh, why does everyone keep thinking Fang is useful to bring around when the only thing Hagrid has said about him is that he's a craven coward? I, Everyone's <laughs> just reassured that... He's big. Let's bring the boarhound. He's big. It's like... Yes, he's big, but he's always the first one to run. It's This is his one identifying trait we have. He is big, he is sloppering, he is a boarhound, and he's going to run when there is danger. Now, again, credit, though, here that it is Ron, I believe, that says this, and I think, if I remember correctly, he was not the one that went into the Forbidden Forest last time with Fang. Yes. Like he was the one that wasn't there. So, okay, fine, he doesn't know. He's gonna, He learns quick here. Fang is not useful for any purpose other than being a cuddly pet. Uh, in terms of other people that are the worst, good God, Lockhart. You just, I want to find ways to find you tolerable, but this chapter does not help me. You do everything in your power to just portray yourself as a complete boob. And also just try, trying to convince other students that they're somehow dumber than you for not buying into your boobish logic. Uh, 
it seems that the default game that everyone plays when they're waiting now is Exploding Snap. And I really hope if I Google this, there won't be spoilers because I want to know what the rules are. Uh, also, really, this chapter again reminds me that J.K. Rowling, very much a proponent of uh, Chekhov's gun, that even the smallest things are conserved and we brought back up again to have some useful purpose. The car being an obvious example here, we'd previously heard it was in the Forbidden Forest and just missing, and it comes in here as the quite literal cavalry. Um, but also, the treacle toffee now has a useful purpose in getting things, well, creatures in this case, to shut up with its ability to just seal jaws. So, Spencer, would you like us to send you some treacle toffee? I have no idea really what it is. Uh, treacle's essentially molasses. Okay. I, I was kind of picturing it as being like a thick caramel kind of thing to chew on. Well, I meant more so we don't have a uh, visitation from, from your own boarhound. <laughs> you know, this may be a useful idea, PJ. We shall try this. Uh, the car as cavalry is just really cute. It, the fact that it acts like a dog around Ron is really cute. Uh, I have questions about whether it is now just another permanent resident, introduced resident of the forest, the same way the spiders proved to be, but we'll go into that in questions. As for spiders, dear God, these things are just straight out of Lord of the Rings. I mean, they're not even Shellob. This is ungoliant. These things consume light and spark darkness. Uh, <laughs> read it. Read Cimmerillion. This is basically what she does. Um, but it, there's even some references to it in the fact that, uh, well, A, giant spiders, and also the main one is uh, several blind eyes, which same way Shellob did in books. Um, but... As the characters discussed in this chapter, there are things that Hagrid is totally innocent of and that needs to be recognized. There are also things that he's profoundly guilty of that apparently have not gotten wide press yet. And introducing a dangerous invasive species into an area immediately adjacent to a large university full of children and then encouraging them to breed? That should... That's a paddling. <laughs> I don't know what the qualifications to get you in Azkaban are, but maybe that should rate because... These things are dangerous as hell! I feel like I mean, it's a very English way to go about dealing with problematic species. It's like, well, we initially tried to have it as a pet, but we're essentially going to keep it in the garden and find it a mate, and then just, like, look at it every so often. I mean, they're Not right, unlike they're the, uh, the uh, garden gnomes that they had to denome the garden sure. from. There are intelligent species that are resident in the Forbidden Forest, do the centaurs have opinions on the fact that, you know, Hagrid's introduced a very dangerous, aggressive, predatory species into their midst? It's just, I know that he likes monster things and assumes they're nonviolent, but these aren't. These things are incredibly dangerous. Their default reaction when two kids come into their midst is, oh, they're not Hagrid? Eat them. How many people have gone missing due to these things since they've been introduced in the forest? For the last, what, 50 years? Is that the time frame we have on them? So was the forest forbidden before there were spiders? Unclear when the forest became forbidden. So, I mean, previously we've seen that there are centaurs and that there are unicorns and there are rumors of werewolves. Otherwise, it just seems like it's a nice walk, a good hike through the area. Now we have an actual danger beyond Voldemort drinking the blood out of things. But I don't think he was actually, you know, a regular resident. Uh... As for thing, the thing that spiders fear before all others, this puts a bit of a flaw into my whole snake theory that I had last episode, because clearly the answer to that question is a house cat. <laughs> uh, I, think, I, th I think I've previously pondered that idea before, that it is totally a house cat, and voiced uh, in terms of the spiders constantly running away, and also the constant carnivorous, murderous thoughts that Harry hears, that is in keeping with every, every pet cat I've ever had, even the most affectionate ones, 
kind of constantly had thoughts about what things they could be killing today. I'm just Even saying. Even it was mostly in their imagination. We do know that McGonagall was not kept in the Chamber of Secrets, so maybe not a cat. It could be another cat. There's not a con... We talked about you know, Chekhov's gun. There's a law of conservation of resources, but there could be another cat involved. Or something in the cat form. Still think Snake is more likely, but correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not aware of anything that, mythology or otherwise, that makes spiders inherently afraid of snakes. Nothing really comes to mind there. Could be proven wrong, but, you know, house cat and spiders are much more well-known. Uh, I'm, again, very much buying into Ron's logic here that Hagrid deserves a full-on paddling as a result of introducing these spiders to the Forbidden Wood. <laughs> Apparently, very, very close to the university, too. They're not hiking long before they get there. The car drives them out, and again, they're back at the university within, like, seconds or minutes at the max. Well, it is a flying car, so it can... It's not flying! It's just driving! Yes, it loses true. a win- It loses a mirror. Uh, I also uh, don't think we need to have another discussion like our train times <laughs> from London to Scotland. <laughs> yeah, that, that true. is true. Um, I will say, Spencer, that I'm pretty sure most giant spiders are afraid with anything with a sting. Wasp, be an example, sure. I, again, most most of my prior knowledge about uh, snakes and spiders are tarantulas eating snakes. So, almost like more the other way around. Hmm. You don't like my, my Tolkien references? I'm disappointed. I, I get your reference, yes. Sting, piercing shell-ups, abdomen. How do you know that? By, what, in the movies? Um, I have read some. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to go over at a certain point what of the series you actually have read and what you haven't. Because I thought you'd only read like three chapters and gotten frustrated and stopped. It's more than that. But anyway. Um... Okay. Uh, and finally, in terms of conserved resources, Myrtle is apparently integral to the plot. So I think she was introduced in this book. I don't think we saw her in the prior one. So mm-hmm. again, if something comes up, J.K. Rowling raises something, it is going to be relevant later. It doesn't seem like there's just any off references that she makes. It is her style that if something's introduced, it will be incredibly important going forward. Take notes, readers. And that's what I have. House points. House points. So I would really like to give all of the house points um, to the Flying Ford Anglia that has carved out its own path of existence in the Forbidden Forest, but we have no... um, sort of prior record of giving house points to, I don't think we've done it to any non-human entity uh, at any well, point so far. Well, 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 let's assess this. Uh, is it alive? I think you have to be alive to get house points. I, Would we deem this a living creature? I feel like saying that it's not alive is somewhat problematic in this universe. <laughs> yeah, that's, but it, 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 there is an interesting divide of where we've seen a lot of objects that are animated due to magic. Yeah. Are they all alive? Have we, are the wizards just constantly making life as they go? Is our nature of just practicing spells? It's life, Jim, but not as we know it. Thank you, Star Trek. Um, so what I will say is, I mean, it's the the original version of a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not willing to say that Teslas are alive, so... <laughs> I mean, I think the car gets it, just because who else are you going to pick for this chapter? I think... Yeah, I mean, we've had, like, people who come out fine. I think that Ron, Ron's suspicion of going on this mission in the first place was borne out in where we ended up. Um, mm-hmm. But I, real heroes, few and far between in this chapter. Mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I would say somebody that had a off-screen and way before this chapter started success would be Hagrid. 
We're not giving him points for this. We're not. I'm just saying. When you actively endanger someone, in fact, your friends, you are disqualified from the house points race. I mean, BJ, if you're correct, essentially, if a first year successfully pulls off some curse that turns a fellow classmate into a snuff box, they're going to get punished. They're not going to get rewarded, even though that was an impressive display of magic work. I'm just there saying. There are basic rules here. So I understand that there are basic rules, but I'm just saying that, like, if Hagrid isn't doing these things on purpose, then then he is He's an idiot. A more of a failure than, than I think would be reasonable for his long tenure at Hogwarts. I think he likes little danger in other people's lives. Well, yeah, we've got a lot of evidence for that now. Certainly given how he runs his own life. One person to mention who, just from his perspective, had a very nice day, Snape got a lot of compliments. You know, <laughs> from, from, from a Snape perspective, it was all just coming up rosy for him. Kids talking about how he should be the headmaster, no one there to second-guess him. Uh, good, but he good did have to Snape. be around kids while shepherding them to the next class, which is clearly, like, the low point of he probably really... his entire Valid tenure point. at Hogwarts. Yeah, he really <laughs> resents having to do sort of duties that are unassociated with actual teaching. I mean, that's even a stretch to say he particularly enjoys the process of teaching. He doesn't. <laughs> okay, first question that... I'm gonna, my first question that on, on, on questions that we grill you with, what does Snape actually enjoy? What makes his life better? Um, I will well, answer well, we, that we as soon as we award a yeah. house points loser. Gotta do that first. Um... Which, you know, I think that, uh, to our earlier point, like, nobody had a, very few people had a great day here. Uh, we dealt with spiders. Mm -hmm. um, I think Ron might be the loser of this chapter, because he seems almost as afraid as, of spiders as Spencer is. I, that would be my intuition. Like, this was just a really rough evening. Is, is there a justification, sorry, to go back briefly to winter, to give Aragog the winning title? Because it seems like he's been doing pretty well for 50 years. Well, he didn't get what his aims were in this chapter, which and was to rule, yes. kill and feed these non-Hagrid humans to his spider brethren. That valid point, we have to confine ourselves to this chapter, and from that perspective, he had a nap interrupted, and that's just rude. Yeah. Um, and his spider uh, wife. And spider babies. Spider yeah. he's, he's also apparently a spider widower, too. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, Ron, loser? I think Ron is a, is a fine loser for this chapter. I mean, I feel, I feel like, like a good fallback <laughs> is always Ron for a loser in a chapter. Another fallback could be Fang himself. He got, he got locked in a room for, like, how long that he's just been locked in the house? And yeah. then he gets out and has to go deal with spiders? Not great. Um, he just, but he, he just wanted to walk. He, he just wanted to walk. He did have excellent self-preservation. Um, sort and of got to ride in the backseat of a car. So. And dogs do love riding in cars. Okay, I think I think we're, I think we've agreed on Ron. Right. That works. Uh, so questions. What makes Snape happy? Um, Is there anything? There's a flower that he likes. Yeah, and more discussion of that is in fact spo spoiler related. But really, mm -hmm. there is a central point of this plot driven based on what Snape enjoys. There is a major point of this plot driven on what Snape enjoys. Man, you guys have given me so many suggestions. This series is just going to take a straight L turn here in a second. <laughs> I mean, it gets weird. He just likes flowers. It's fine. Especially green ones. What are you talking about? Don't worry about it, Spencer. We'll get <laughs> <laughs> PJ, your turn. Um, 
I have a question that is not particularly answerable, but I'm going to ask it anyway, which is, in the course of Hogwarts, has there been a relatively even distribution of the House of the Headmaster? Because Mm. it kind of seems like a lot of the uh, governors may be in Slytherin because um, they have money and they're evil, whereas a lot of the headmasters seem to be of Gryffindor because that makes it way more entertaining for the story. Yeah, I, I am sure that there is a list of this online somewhere. I don't know. I there. I think it's been relatively even. I know that we've had, obviously we've had Gryffindor um, headmasters, as you point out, but we have also definitely had Slytherin headmasters. Yeah, it seems like one of the early ones. And I confess I did look up things up online. Um, and <laughs> and then ask a question. <laughs> yeah, ask the question knowing that there is an information because... Because I had the question, and I, I felt like I should ask it, even though I know that the there isn't an answer, which is very funny to me, because there's very little information on past headmasters um, in canon, in terms of, like, who they were and what house they were of. Mm-hmm. Um, there was at least one Slytherin of the Black family. Um, who we back learn about later, yes. Yes. Um, and there are a bunch of other names and they're not all super helpful in terms of like defining who and what, what things are. Um, so, so yeah, that's my question and the answer that goes along with it, which is a little <laughs> bit disappointing. Thanks for that. Well, BJ. <laughs> well, I've got a natural follow-up from there kind of based on um, how the professors work. Is there a designated seniority at Hogwarts? Because it seems like McGonagall's immediately taking over after Dumbledore without any degree of like vote or transition. It's just like, it's assumed she's next. Yeah, part so, of her title is actually deputy headmistress. Oh, didn't realize. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she has an official designation mm-hmm. when it comes there. Okay. Um, yeah, kind of where it where it comes after that, uh, it's a little unclear. I mean, obviously Snape is high up in the hierarchy, um, mm-hmm. but that that transition at least is is official. Now, what house is Dumbledore officially part of? Is he a part of house? I mean, he was a Gryffindor, but he is not like specifically associated with the house i mean it's Man, not no like sh- he gives them points for random things anymore <laughs> so clearly he is sure. unbiased no well i can see within wise other houses maybe a little bit bitter about a bit of over gryffindor representation if both the headmaster and the deputy headmaster are from the same house yeah <laughs> i think it might have to do with how long people have been there and how much mm-hmm. they participate in the administration because i think that a lot of the other professors are younger. Yeah, that's that's certainly true. I mean, I think Professor Flitwick is maybe a little younger than... Um, I would say that Professor Flitwick is probably a little younger than Professor McGonagall, but maybe a little older than Snape. Mm-hmm. Um, but Flitwick has always seemed to me to have his own kind of thing going on. Yeah, it seems like that of the various professors, the only one that really gives a damn about administration is McGonagall. Mm-hmm. So she just kind of naturally falls in that position. It's not like Snape would really want to do the job if he ever got the job. He would Doesn't like seem the like title, he'd enjoy- though. That seems oh, okay. He'd, lo- he'd, he'd love the respect. But the actual work, the process of, you know, caring for people around him doesn't seem in character. <laughs> so I have a fun follow-up to that, which I'm pretty sure there also aren't good answers to. How many professors are in... Hogwarts? I don't know, a lot. 
Come on, there's got to be an answer to that question. Um. Okay, so let's go through what we know, right? Yep. So based on the classes they're in now, we know, like, full professors, we have McGonagall in Transfiguration, Snape in Potions, Professor Sprout in Herbology, uh, Flitwick in Charms. History. Ma- uh, Professor Binns mm. in History, Madame Hooch is doing the Quidditch lessons. Um, and Hooch and is those crazy. Are, yeah, those are the kind of the classes that they're in right now, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, eventually we get other professors. So we have a, especially kind of based on what we read about them picking classes in the last chapter. We have somebody for arithmancy. We have somebody for runes. We have um, somebody for muggle studies, uh, divination. Um, We have an astronomy class, care of magical creatures. Defense Against the Dark Arts. We completely left Lockhart and um, Quirrell well, out of the first part of Well, you said full professors. Okay, well, sure. I don't know that <laughs> there's the, like, a, he, associate assistant full professor. He's clearly a visiting lecturer at he's, best. Yeah. He's, na- he, he's named right now. I, think we, you, I don't think you've said Snape yet, have you? I did say Snape in the first one. So at this point, I have 13 professors. But we've essentially heard of, like, five. Yeah. But we kind of get actually... the rest of them. He, he's department teach head. A class? He's, he doesn't count anymore. No, he does he's not. Emeritus. He does not teach a class. <laughs> that would be a fun damn class. <laughs> um, but he did when, like, for example, in the flashback, um, when Tom Riddle saw him, like, he used to be the Transfiguration teacher. I, I, I picture uh, Dumbledore just watching, like, Dead Poet Society and going, yes, <laughs> do that. Just go in the world and learn things. Yeah, I, I think that um, Rothfuss drew somewhat on on Dumbledore for one of his, at least one or two of his professors. Yeah, that seems uh, right. The, the one that teaches like higher magic. I'm blanking on his name right now. Oh yeah, um, it yeah. starts with an E. Uh, Tholian or something like that. Something like that. Right. Yeah. I, I listened to the book, so it, it's I don't remember, if, if but it, it didn't stick hard if enough. An, if at any point a third one comes out, I'll reread them. Not until then. <laughs> yeah, um, but the. Why don't you jump off a ledge? It'll help you understand the wind, is 100% something yeah. Dumbledore would say. Wait until the later books. <laughs> god. Oh, God. Um, yeah, my turn. Uh, I have a hard time believing that other professors are not aware of the spiders, particularly Dumbledore. Dumbledore knows all. Do we get any indication that the rest of the broader world is aware of the fact there is a strange foreign spider infestation in the middle of the Forbidden Forest? Or is Hagrid just given such free reign that he can literally hide this? Um, I don't, we do not, to the best of my recollection, we do not get any indication that the other professors know about the spiders or care about them. They do come up again, though, in the sort of, hmm. in the Chekhov's gun that you have been speaking about. We get spiders again. I was going to say, like, I feel like a lot of the professors, um, don't seem like they would wander the forest. And if they did, they wouldn't care about the creatures that were in there particularly. Because I'm guessing that there's a little bit of a power differential that allowed Harry and Ron to be captured and stuffed by the spiders, as opposed to just like a, anybody that wanders through is going to be bothered by the spiders. It's, it's, I keep coming back to this, but it just seems that I'm uh, the idea of a strict classism class class system is pretty foreign to me, but it seems to inform a lot of how this world works. Mm-hmm. Of where Hagrid's the one lower class guy on grounds, and so he's just 
given pretty much free reign to do the tasks that are assigned to him with nobody really providing oversight because they wouldn't want to do them themselves. So it just seems like yeah. he can do whatever he damn well pleases so long as he meets his deliverables. I think that's I think that's approximately true. So we have like blue collar workers are um, Hagrid and Filch, yeah. who have two very different ways of <laughs> approaching the world. And then the mm-hmm. idea that Filch will go outside where there is mud and dirt. He's not doing any of it. Uh-uh. Yeah, I'm done. So Spencer, and if yeah, you don't have questions. any more questions, I have one last question. Okay. Uh, do we ever get a bit of a census or a or a broader sense of what the population of the Forbidden Forest is, or what the resident communities are? Because we've seen a couple, and it's apparently a huge place. But now that I know there's a spider community there that hasn't just consumed everything, it gives me another sense of just how big it is. So. Do we ever find out a? Do I ever get a pop, an itinerary or a population list for who is in there? Um, no, not wholly. I mean, we do go into the Forbidden Forest again at other points and meet some other things that are in there, um, but it's always kind of a one-off thing. I, th- I think the follow-up that he's looking for is: Is J.K. Rowling the only fantasy author that did not provide a map with her books, and why? Yeah. <laughs> I would like, yeah, I've kind of disappointed to flip through this and there's not a big map because that's just so basic level grounding in all fantasy works nowadays. Well, it's in Scotland. Eh, damn. <laughs> but it, it just seems like the Forbidden Forest is always just going to be the default of, okay, there is a magical thing that you have to believe me. I've not previously discussed. We're going to go see it for the first time that it's there. It's a strange magical place. Just go with me on this. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know that we get... I'll have to think about this a little bit, but off the top of my head, I don't think that we get another scene like this one or like with the unicorns, for example, in the first book, where it's like, here's mm-hmm. the thing that we're going to find in the in the Forbidden Forest. Like, things happen in the Forbidden Forest, um, mm-hmm. but <laughs> we get other locales in and around the schools that have, in, around, in and around the school that have interesting things in them. We turn away from the Forbidden Forest a little bit. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's all I got for me. All right. Um, so next time around, oh my gosh, we're so close to the end of this book. So next time around, we are in chapter 16. We are in the Chamber of Secrets. Wait, seriously? Well, yeah. the title of the chapter is the Chamber of Secrets. Well, they could be lying. <laughs> that could be the secret. <laughs> the, the secret of the Chamber of Secrets is it doesn't exist. Oh boy. Um, yeah, and so I think we have like three or four chapters left, and I think the the last one is going to knock your socks off, Spencer. Do you mean that in the way that you... I never know with you. I don't know <laughs> if you're just me- meaning how the expression actually means that to mean, or is there something, some other in-joke I'm not getting yet? I you would, shall see, I... <laughs> and I am always thoroughly amused. I would really like to blame you, BJ, on social distancing, but this has been going on for too long. <laughs> Uh, Well, this has been fun, y'all. Yeah, I'm writing more notes of things I'll eventually get. (laughs) All right. Well, until next chapter, everybody. Looking forward to it.